I invite you to turn in your copy of God's Word to Romans chapter 15 this morning. Romans chapter 15, and I'll begin at verse 8, and I'll read through 13, and this morning I'll focus mainly on verse 9. Romans 15, beginning at verse 8. This is God's word. It says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his hope. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Beginning there at verse 9, looking specifically, you see, well, verse 8, you see that Christ has become a servant. He came as a servant. As we know, he came to serve on this earth. And we often think he came to serve simply to go to the cross, which he did was the ultimate pinnacle of his service. But what did it serve? Who did he serve? Here in verses 8, it shows us that he served uh, the Israelites, the Jewish people, the people that had in the Old Testament enjoyed the blessings of God's presence, the, the blessings of his promises, Time and time again, it's amazing when you look through the Old Testament, you see the love and the faithfulness of God towards his people. But have you ever read the Old Testament and thought of the Gentiles, those who were not a part of God's family, those who were not the Israelites, those who were not the Jewish people? Have you ever read through the Old Testament and thought, what if I was part of that nation? It didn't seem like God's mercy was very strong towards those people ever. It almost was always exclusively they were an example to God's people as to what you deserved for your sin. God punished and judged the nations. And yet, even though he did punish and judge his people at times, he was abundantly mercy to them, merciful to them. So as you read the Old Testament, you, you see the Gentile nations, the nations that aren't Israel, and you fear for them. You tremble for them. But what's amazing is the mercy of God towards those people who are outside the Israelites wasn't always to be locked up. God promised, and it wasn't just when Jesus came that Jesus decided to change things up and then start reaching the Gentiles. God promised long before that. That's why here in this passage that I read, there are four quotations from the Old Testament showing that there was always an anticipation that the Gentiles, those who were not belonging to the Israelite people, that they would also get to be a part of the praise and adoration of God, that they would also, here it says, experience his mercy. You see here in verse uh, 9 where it says, so he came as a servant, not just for the, the circumcised, or the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, to show God's truthfulness to them, that, that when he made a promise, he kept his promise always. Jesus came to fulfill those promises, to, to, to show God's people, see, the Messiah has come like God said he would come. But more than that, it says in verse 9, in order also that the Gentiles 
might glorify God for his mercy. His mercy. A mercy is for those who do not deserve it. And you know what's amazing is the Israelite people didn't deserve it either. They were also just so full of sin, so full of rebellion against God. They didn't deserve it when he allowed them to pass through the Red Sea. They didn't deserve it when he sustained them with the manna, even though they complained. They did not deserve it. And so to them, there was mercy upon mercy upon mercy. It's always mercy. But to the Gentiles, now they can experience mercy. And it says glorify God for his mercy. It's amazing that Jesus came and began to see this plan unfold that the nations other than Israel will begin to enjoy the blessings and the promises that had been forever made. Even to Abraham, God promised that the nations, not just the nation of Israel, not just God's chosen people of Israel, but that the nations would be blessed. They would enjoy fruitfulness and happiness and joy through the line of Abraham. And then that goes down on and on through to Jesus. And in Jesus, who is the offspring of Abraham, the nations will be blessed. And not just because they have done something to deserve it. Not just because they've now figured it out. They've seen enough of the Jewish history that they can say, okay, we know what they do now. We can follow all 600 rules of there. And if we can follow the rules, God will be gracious to us and he will love us. That's not the way grace and mercy works. Those who need mercy are beggars. Those who need mercy are poor. They have nothing to offer. Those who need mercy are you and me. We are poor beggars with nothing to bring to the table to God to make him even look at us or pay attention to us. We come with empty hands that are stained with rebellion against God. And we rely solely on his mercy and his compassion, on grace and love that is undeserved. And here it says, Jesus accomplished that because the salvation that people would experience, the the joy that they would experience in their forgiveness of sins was not found in doing the Ten Commandments, was not found in following all the rules. It was found in having yourself crucified with Christ. That he would take your life upon his own and and stand on, on your behalf before the throne of God and be judged for your sin. And it wasn't because of what you did. It wasn't because of your bloodline. It was because of Christ. It's amazing that he came as a servant for that. So that, it says, so that the Gentiles might glorify God. They might adore God. They might have affection overwhelming for God because of his mercy. Because he's extended to them what they do not deserve. What they could only beg as a beggar for. Just don't punish me. Or don't punish me as severely. Or don't punish me as I deserve. Because we know the wages of sin is death. It is eternal separation from God. It is no favor from God forever. That's what we deserve. It's what the Israelites deserved. And it was mercy that caused us to ever have any sort of peace. Any joy. Any forgiveness. Any hope. In heaven, I love the last verse where it mentions in verse 12, Isaiah's quotation, in him the Gentiles will hope. Hope. They have hope because it's in him. It's not in their system or their ability to figure it out, their ability to present themselves pure before God. It was in him that they 
found their hope. And that's why they might glorify God for his mercy. Not for his abiding by his own rules. Not for his weighing the scales and saying, all right, you're good enough now. But for his mercy, they might adore him and and live in lives of gratitude because of his mercy. It's amazing how Paul here in Romans 15 quotes from the Old Testament to uh, back up this claim because uh, some people could have just said, well, that's kind of a New Testament concept that, that Jesus, and, and it seems like it wasn't even Jesus directly, but his disciples began to reach the nations. It seems like a new concept. Well, it wasn't new. And, and Paul here quotes four different passages to show us that. And what's amazing is if you know anything about the genres of the Bible, it's not all written the same. It's not like one newspaper. It's not a comic strip. It's not a, a story. There are history books. There are poetry books. There are all these different genres in the Bible. And here we have three different genres. Because you could just say, well, it just happened to be the historical writing that mentioned the Gentiles. Or it just happened to be poetry, so we don't know if we can take it literally. Well, no. Paul mentions three different genres here as he quotes from them. He quotes, firstly, from Psalm 1849, a poet. It says, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. Amazingly, also, we see a progression in these verses. I will praise you among the Gentiles. So this is David. He's quoted saying here, I will praise you among the Gentiles. Almost like the Gentiles are there. They're not cast off. They're allowed nearby. I will praise you among them. And then he carries on in the next verse in verse 10. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. So it wasn't just, I'm going to praise you among the Gentiles who might happen to be there. But now the Gentiles are going to join us in rejoicing. And that was a quote from uh, Deuteronomy 32:43. Verse 10 was. Verse 11 is a quote from Psalm 117, verse 1. that says, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. You see the progression. I'll praise you among the Gentiles. I'll praise you with the Gentiles present. And now you Gentiles, you get to praise this God. It's not just that you were nearby. It's not just like you were um, a foreigner welcomed into our family. But you are one of these people who get to experience the mercy and the grace of God. And you yourselves will praise him for it. It's not just far off. It's near. He calls them to praise the Lord. And then again, he quotes there, verse 12 from Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11 says, The root of Jesse will come. Obviously, that's speaking to the lineage of Jesus. And what's amazing is, you know, if the Jewish people could have said, yes, see, he's our Messiah. But, but it goes far beyond that. The root of Jesse comes, showing that purposes and the promises of God. But it's also, he's among the Gentiles to rule them. And among them, he will bring hope, it says. He'll bring hope. The crazy thing is, without God and without the mercy of God, you and I are without hope. We have no hope because what can we do? Hope in our own abilities? Hope that God sees through all of our garbage in our life and the good things we've done? Well, we're just hoping in that? Hope he forgets the bad thing you did yesterday? We just hope in that? No way. Are we hoping in a better circumstance in the world? Are we hoping that, that all is just going to turn our way? Are we hoping that we will stop being so selfish just naturally? What are we hoping in? We can't hope anything within ourselves or within our world we must hope beyond that for it to be true and genuine hope. In Ephesians, Paul 
hits the nail on the head when he speaks about the Gentiles, you and me, who do not belong naturally to the bloodline of Jesus or the family uh, of the Israelites. Paul speaks about our plight, those who are not an Israelite. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 2. He's telling them, uh, therefore, Ephesians 2 verse 11, it says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is flesh made by hands. Remember, he says, that you were at this time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Paul reminds the Ephesians, you were far off and you were not welcome. You did not belong to any promise that God had made to the people of Israel. You were alienated. You were separated from Christ. You were strangers. And ultimately, he, he peaks it with you had no hope and you were without God in the world. There's nothing more lonely and sad than being without God in the world. You know that from your own personal experience. Times of loneliness, you might fill yourself with people and family, but when you get alone with your heart, you know the loneliness if you forget God in a moment. If you're not considering the presence and the, the mercy of God, you are alone in this world. Well, that was, the, that was the ultimate plight for those who did not belong to the commonwealth. But instead, here it says, you are welcome because of mercy. Paul earlier in Ephesians chapter 2 says this again about the plight of you and of me. Listen carefully how he describes us. You were dead in the trespasses and sins which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the devil, and the spirit that is now at works in sons of disobedience, among whom we all once walked after the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. There's a, there's a shift. It says, but God. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he's raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches in, of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. The shift there is totally dependent on the mercy of God. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And in your sins, trapped within your own nature, you were separated from God and under God's wrath. But God, because of his richness in mercy, his wealth of mercy, his abundance of mercy that will never run dry towards you, because of God's unending love towards you, because of that great love, it says, even when we were dead, in our trespasses and sins, even when we hadn't figured it out, even when we didn't clean ourselves up, even when, that's when we've been saved. By grace, undeserved love that we have been saved. A love that it says that he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us. 
We need that. We need his kindness towards us because we have rebelled against him time and time again in our hearts. When we choose self over God, when we choose self over others, we rebel against God who made us, who designed us to enjoy him forever and to serve others. And we don't live that way. We need his mercy day in and day out. The immeasurable riches of his grace are there for us. And that's why here in Romans chapter 15 it says, Christ came so that the Gentiles, so that you and me might glorify God. We might praise and adore God for his mercy. You will only ever praise and adore God for his mercy if you realize the situation you were in. If you realize that without grace, you're trapped forever. You realize how poor and how needy you are before God. When you realize that, and you realize that you don't deserve God even looking at you, but yet he has loved you, and Christ has died for you, then you will magnify the mercy of God. With everything that you have, you will magnify it as Christ did. Christ came to magnify the mercy of God. And that's what we do when we realize and live out of the mercy of God. We think, I don't deserve this. I am a poor beggar, and yet I get to eat at the table of the King of Kings. He calls me son. He calls me daughter. All because of mercy. When you realize that mercy in your own life, you magnify it. You, you put it on display. You make it as big as you can for others to see. And, and in doing that, you can admit your failures. Some people think that Christians think they have to have it all together. That we seem to be hypocrites because we say we're perfect or something. And we still have X, Y, and Z in our life. All this rubbish. Christians can be the most honest people out there and say, our lives are a mess. And it's only because of mercy that we were able to live. We we're able to hold our heads up because of Christ, not because of me. It's because of mercy. So in doing that, in saying that, and in living that, we get to magnify the mercy of God. Put it on display. That's what Christ came as a servant for, for you and for me. As we experience his mercy and his grace, we will glorify God for his mercy. I wonder if we do that. I wonder if we even realize the mercy that God has towards us, or do we sometimes still consider so much what we are, what we deserve, what we don't deserve, or do we look to the love and the mercy and the grace of God and just end in unending praise and gratitude. That's what I love where he, he begins to unpack what these Gentiles will do as they glorify God. It says they will praise, they will sing, they will rejoice, they will extol, they will hope. And that's what we get to do. Praise, sing, extol, and hope. All because of Christ and his mercy towards you and to me. What a gift it is from God. Something that we don't deserve, obviously, and you think about your own heart. You know it better than anyone, but God knows it better than you. And yet God in his mercy says, I will love you. I'll forgive you. I will make you a new creation. I will reshape you into my own likeness. I'll call you my own. And I'll bring you home one day. That, that's hope fulfilling. That, that's hope giving. It's all based on the love and the mercy of our great God. Have you considered lately God's mercy towards you? Have you considered what, what prayer even is? It's you coming as a beggar, 
before the richest of the rich. And it's not him saying, all right, ask some more, beg some more. I want to hear you cry. Get on your knees. It's not how God does it. But instead, Christ stooped down. He came down. He got down on the ground with you. He came in, this, in the flesh to show incredible mercy. Not just his rule and his reign and his power, but mercy. He got down and he became a servant. Even to the point of death on a cross. So that we might glorify God for his mercy. What a joy to experience. What a joy to know and what a joy to tell others. I need mercy. You need mercy. And we have it in Christ who is not going to squash us under his thumb. But who has come and died and suffered so that we might live and have hope. May we then have hope in this world. May we be the people who extend hope in the world as we realize that we are all under God's mercy, if we would come. We recognize our situation, dead in our trespasses and sins, and we come to him and say, I have nothing to bring. I have nothing to bring, and and I can't keep myself from sinning. Do, Do you want me? And God in Christ says, yes. Yes. You're mine. Come. Come. You're weary. You're heavy laden. Take that burden off yourself. I will put it on. I will bear it for you and I will stand on your behalf. What an incredible gift of mercy if we just come. And he doesn't only invite us to come once and say, yeah, come, give your life to Jesus. And now you got to figure it out. Now you better suck it up. Now you better get up all your armor on and fight this thing by yourself. No, instead we stand amazed at what he is doing for us and with us, empowering us and encouraging us. May we then stand as those who are grateful and extending that mercy to others. As we have so experienced it from God, let us extend it to others and magnify God as Christ did for his mercy. Let me pray for us. Well, Father, you are, you're amazing. We have sinned against you in so many ways. You expect perfection and holiness. You deserve Uh, all of our obedience. Instead, we give you rebellion of our hearts. But as we've seen through your word, we see you giving mercy again and again. We're so thankful for your word because we have examples of foolishness in your people. But yet you love them, you call them back again, and you give them the ability to to choose life. You give them the ability to uh, walk in holiness and after your way. And so we pray for that this morning, that you would help us. to to recognize our plight, help us to recognize where we are, and yet you're not going to crush us. You are welcoming to us in your mercy. May we then glorify you, honor you, give you all the respect and, and time and allegiance that you deserve because of your mercy. God, you are so loving. May we feel that this morning, feel your love as we may be heavy laden. We may have many burdens on our shoulders. We may feel uh, the weight of our own sinfulness, our own temptations. But we come this morning and ask that you would show your mercy to us again and again so that we might magnify your mercy in our own lives and in the world in which we live. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.